You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast here on the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. I'm your host, Mr. Green. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, taking time out to go through some of these goings-on in the world of professional wrestling, particularly as it relates to some of the uh, uh, young ladies out there that are participating in this grand sport. Of course, there's always uh, some news that's happening and uh, things that are taking place in the world, the least of which are more WWE releases. And uh, I guess at this point, it seems like it's coming along to being just a, a monthly expense. If I were working for the WWE at this point and I was not somebody that was being utilized constantly, at this point, I'm sending out feelers. At this point, I am, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to get whatever connections I can get. I'm trying to see, you know, what, what's the what's the quote that I can get out on the indies? Is Impact interested? Is Ring of Honor interested? In NWA, you name it. I'm probably sending it out there just to be sure because, man, um, if anything, last month we found out that, you know, nobody's really safe. But particularly if you are uh, somebody that's there that they just haven't done anything with. If you if you occupy most of your time sitting and catering, it's probably a, a, a good time to be at least thinking about your options. I know that you can't go running around and uh, actively checking into it. It might work against your contract or something to that effect, but I absolutely will look. Um, well, in, in this particular round of releases, there was only one female talent that was cut. Uh, I'm going to bring up the other ones first, and then I'll rope it back around to her. Uh, what we got here is uh, Killian Dane, uh, the Bollywood Boys, uh, Sunil and Samar Singh, uh, Arturo Reyes, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, Kurt Stallion, Fandango, and Tyler Breeze. Which is uh, actually, uh, if I were going to say anybody was shocking in there, I actually think that the the team of Fandango and Tyler Breeze might be. I thought they might have uh, found a little bit of a resurgence in, in NXT and uh, perhaps, you know, uh, had a little bit of a run in there, but apparently not. Uh, Everrise, which is another tag team. I don't think uh, that's not clearly as shocking. Chase Parker and Matt Martell. Uh, Tony Nice has also been uh, been released, which uh, you know Tony Tony came off as a very talented guy. I, I really expect him to land in one of these promotions, you know, relatively quickly, uh, or at least show his face once his ninety day non compete comes up. Arya Davari, 
also uh, was let go, unfortunately, I guess, and, and August Gray. But the uh, female within that is Marina Shafir, who's uh, the wife of Roderick Strong. We really haven't seen her. And to, and to add to that, you know, Jessamyn Duke, who was released the, the month prior, uh, pretty much effectively ends whatever collaborations that the uh, four horsemen of MMA might have had within the WWE. I mean, the, the only woman that's left at this point is Shayna Baszler. Ronda Rousey, although I believe still under contract, it made it clear to you know the the world, not just WWE, that at this point she's interested in starting a family, and uh, that has been her focus in the last couple of months. And so we only have one that's active and one that's available. And that's uh, Shayna Baszler. She is the the last of the four horsewomen within WWE's uh, walls. But Shafir and Jessamyn Duke, let's just go ahead and put her in that. Because their, I don't want to say their primary goal, but they seem like their primary value in WWE at the time was NXT as a tag team. That was probably the place that they were going to be viewed the best. That's probably the place that they were going to be utilized the best. Uh, and if they had gotten in, into the you know the whole tag team spiel as as much as as the company probably could have pushed them, then they, they they may have done something. Unfortunately, we really didn't see them all that much as a team, you know, as, especially once Baszler was gone. While Baszler was there in NXT with them, of course, they became basically her muscle and her backup. But uh, outside of that, I mean, what, what did we really get out of them? So they, it kind of cut some of that short. <sighs> I can't. I wish I could say that this was surprising. I wish I could say that any of these releases were surprising, but I don't think so. That a lot of the releases there, like I said in the beginning, they come from people who are not high on the uh, WWE radar. They're not high in the uh, in the pecking order of WWE, and the, and the fact that she's married to one of their stars does doesn't mean anything. You know, clearly we've already seen this happen. When Miro was cut and Lana was not, and then Lana was cut, you know, maybe the following month or something like that. No, I stand corrected, not the following month, because they had to go driving her through a table every chance they got. So, uh, needless to say, I would believe that if Marina Shafir chose to continue, now that's going to be the real question here. Will she, and for that matter, will Jessamyn Duke, will they con- choose to continue working as a professional wrestler? I think that there's a future with both of them in the wrestling business, especially if they decide that they want to pursue this tag team thing because I think that's where the money is for them. The money is utilizing the uh, four-horse women name. The money is them as a package. The money is them as a tag team, and they can. And for those locations that may have uh, a a spot for tag team wrestling with the women, that might be a good look for them. It might be a good place for them to go. And uh, the only real location that they can go utilizing that at this point is Impact Wrestling. The Impact Wrestling roster does have 
a female tag team championship that could be gone after, and that could be fun for them. You know, that could be fun. And, of course, at this point, Impact does allow for his talent to go out on the, on the indies, and, of course, they got to work a relationship with both uh, New Japan and uh, AEW. So that, I know a lot of people tend to crap on Impact Wrestling, but that could be, a you know, a, a fun alternative. Very possible. Very possible. So, uh, but in any case, you know, most of these, you know, just, just to wrap up the uh, releases thing for a, a moment, most of these releases come from people who've been there for an excessively long time. You know, the, I know we all want to feel bad and we want to, you know, oh, man, I can't believe WWE is doing this and, and, and what, what have you. But, you know, let, let's look at this from a logical point of view. You're not going to stay at any job forever. As much as you may try, because now, you know, some people have been there for a long period of time, and, you know, those are the money makers. Those are the ones that, you know, if we if we drop them, we're going to lose out on significant income because they push a lot of T-shirts or a lot of revenue, a lot of merchandise, what have you. Uh, you know, if you're not falling into that, you're subject to be cut. That's, that's pretty much what it comes down to. You're subject to be uh, let go at any given time. But we shouldn't I, I know it's it's kind of I don't want to say the thing to do to uh <laughs> be upset with the, the WWE because they start letting people go, but it's it, it's gonna happen eventually at some point, you know, and this is why for if for no other reason that you you want to root for places like Impact, like Ring of Honor, like uh, uh, the NWA, NWA Power, what have you, to stay uh, active. You you want you want them to stay alive because of things like this. You know, it, it wasn't a, well. I mean, it's been well over twenty years now, but it in my viewpoint, relatively speaking, it wasn't all that long ago that you know. They guys weren't necessarily worried about that. People leaving the company wasn't a big deal because people left all the time. They stayed there as long as they felt like it, and either the company let them go or they decided, you know what, I think I'm, I'm done here. It's time, time for me to move on. But now we've raised a generation of wrestlers who, once they get to WWE, have no plans on leaving whatsoever. It becomes their life. It's like, I, I can't go. This is it. This is my job. I'm going to retire here. And, yes, there are some people that get the chance to do that, like let's say the Miz, the Miz is probably going to retire out of WWE. He's he's already become a millionaire. He's already done everything that he could possibly do in that company. He's won who knows how many championships. He's been WWE champion twice. Only only title he hadn't won, I think, it was the world title and and the Universal. But uh, needless to say, at this point, what else is he going to do? When and if when he retires or if he gets cut. He's not going anywhere. He, he, he'll probably just pack up shop and like, all right, I'm done. I'm retired. But as far as the rest of these guys, you know, that, you know you, you have the, uh, a time frame. Your, your time in any company, WWE or otherwise, is finite. It, it comes to an end at some point in time. True, you don't want to rush it, but if you've been there over a decade, like, you know, I don't know, Fandango or somebody like that. If, you, if you're pushing that long, you've gotten a lot out of that company, probably far more than most people expect. 
Uh, speaking of people that uh, were let go, I don't want to say against their will, but you know, but earlier than what they wanted. One other release that uh, I guess should be brought up, even though she was not a in ring talent, was the WWE writer. Uh, what's that? Kenise Mobley, who <laughs> it, it's it's funny. Her interview, uh, and I forget the name of the interview that she did this with, so, you know, uh, forgive me for that. But I'm sure at this point you probably heard about it, the uh, young lady who got onto a podcast and she was uh, talking about that the WWE really didn't require her to know anything <laughs> to get the job. Okay, so first off, we know that Kadeese Mobley was a, a writer and she was a, a comedian, or is. I don't want to say that in past tense. Um, the, the WWE's hiring practices, if ever there was a shining spotlight on what their hiring practices are and how they view themselves, you've just got it right there. Right there. That, that was the shining example of what the WWE has done. And we can't uh, relegate that strictly to the writers because in some cases, they've done it with the wrestlers too. But we will stick with the writer here for a moment to say she got onto a podcast, a documented format, and told whoever was listening that she knew little to nothing about the WWE. That was the first thing. Secondly, she... She vaguely knew who the champion was, their primary guy. I think his name is Bobby Ashley or Lashley or something, which is pretty much what she said. And that he's part of the Hurt Business and they wear suits and they're like, we're cool. That is probably as vague as <laughs> as you could, you could be in a wrestling context. And, and listen, I... To get hired at, at any given job, does not require you to know the job inside and out. So I don't want to put that pressure on her. I don't want to come down on like, well, you should have known about wrestling history. You should know about Mid-South and this, that, and the other, Rock and Roll Express and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And they, you know, No, she, she doesn't. She, she does not have to know those things. I know a lot of people would like her to know those things, but let's be honest, that is not a requirement. You can learn it. You can get in there and you can do your job and you can, you know, you can learn as you go. That is a possibility. I know I know some people don't agree with that, but hey, every job, you, you get a job right now, it's like you, there's a good possibility, unless you went to school for it, that you probably don't know it inside and out. And even if you did go to school for it, you probably don't know it inside and out, not at least in terms of what that specific job entails. But getting on her, we, we know that the only reason that the WWE hired uh, Kanice is because they have a hard-on for people who have some sort of uh, writing experience in what we quote-unquote call the real world. I wrote for Late Night with Jimmy Fallon or, or The Tonight Show or you know whatever she happens to be on or she happened to write for. She wrote for some TV shows, and thereby it was like, oh, okay, well... And she was a comedy writer, which we hear that get tossed around a lot. Like, oh, the WWE hires all these comedy writers. And in a lot of cases, I don't want to say we don't take it seriously, but, you know, it just it sounds like the tag that gets thrown onto the WWE. But in this case, it's absolutely fact. 
They hired a comedy writer. They hired a comedy writer to come in and write for their show because they wanted to have somebody who had real-world experience to write dialogue for these wrestlers because they don't view themselves as a wrestling company. The WWE does not view themselves as, oh, we're like the rest of these guys. They, they view themselves a cut above. They view themselves like Saturday Night Live or Modern Family or you know whoever else, because I can't think of any of the current TV show right now. They view themselves along those lines, which is ridiculous. But still, they have such a... Uh, I don't almost a hatred for being associated with pro wrestling. It's like they have to do everything in their power to work against being pro wrestling, including doing this. Having somebody come up with their own promo or their own speech or whatever seems like a no-no. Now, uh, this young lady getting on any platform and saying that she knew nothing about WWE was one thing. Her in the course of this interview essentially saying that she did it for the money. I mean, she, those were not her words, but the but the statement was basically as such where she said a friend of her hers asked, uh, more or less, do you feel like this company is beneath you? I mean that that that's not it verbatim. You can find the quote. Let me just go ahead and say that it's not in front of me, but um. And she, she more or less was asked that she is this beneath you? I mean, kind of as a as a writer and whatnot. And she didn't say no, <laughs> it, or, or she didn't say yes, it's beneath me. And she didn't say no, it's not. I love the company, what have you. The the answer was they're paying me three times what I make at my current job. So yeah, I'm gonna do that. So <laughs> so that that kind of puts you in a bad spot, you know. I would think right there. But it no longer is a as a relevant point because she was released, and uh, the WWE claims, and I say they claim, that that decision had nothing to do with uh, her being on this podcast and her statements on said podcast. That had nothing to do with her uh, getting released. That that is, you know. That's what they say, and of course they're going to say that. I mean, look, the WWE is going to try to spin the public web and, and make sure that they are as uh, as clear of controversy as they possibly can, and we certainly are not going to allow the world to think that we were fickle or uh, vengeful and fired this woman because she said something that we didn't like. So, yes, in a public forum... I absolutely expect them to say, no, we didn't fire her for that. It was other things. We just didn't, you know, we just didn't have anything for her at this time. You know, you have to do the corporate speak. And that's exactly what they did. They got the corporate speak. And, uh, you know, but it, I will say before moving on is that it was reported that she had gotten a lot of heat before, um, before she was let go because of those statements. And... Who could it, who could expect it not to? And oh yeah, and by the way, the uh, podcast that was uh, that this was on was the Asian Not Asian podcast, which is new for me. I've not heard of that, but you know, hey, I, maybe I have to look it up. I'm sure that this alone has gotten that podcast probably a thousand hits just just 
you know, thousands of hits just based on the uh, controversy alone. So, anyway, uh, Miss Mobley, I'm sure she knew that those words were not probably not the correct words to start talking about in that forum. But that is no longer a moot point. I mean, it is no longer a point. It, the point is moot. That's old sign I lie a bit. Uh, so she will move on, and I'm sure she will find another gig. And much luck to her on her next uh, writing extravaganza or next writing excursion. Uh, Speaking of podcasts, Chelsea Green, uh, the former Laurel Van Ness from Impact Wrestling, um, had a statement on her podcast as well, not relative to releases, of course. This is just uh, her talking. Uh, Her podcast is called Green with Envy, for those who want to know. And she was talking about specifically the upcoming NWA Empower pay-per-view, which uh, is going to be taking place in what is it, August, August 28th in St. Louis. So that, that's going to be something interesting to uh, you know watch out for, keep your eyes open to see. I'm, I'm interested to see it, and I, I probably will order that and, and uh, maybe do a review. But uh, the reason I bring up her... Uh, her podcast and her statement because I want to read to you a quote from her podcast. Again, the podcast is Green with Envy. And it is her talking about um, the NWA pay-per-view, the all-women pay-per-view. And because I disagree with this, but, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. WWE must be, sh- must be fucking shaking in their boots right now because Mickey James is going for gold. She was hired on by NWA to be an executive producer for the first ever all-women's NWA pay-per-view. I am so excited. Mickey is amazing. Clearly, she has pushed for this for years and has been overlooked. So, I am happy that she's headed to NWA. She's going to be with her husband, be with her family, and she gets to start this amazing all-women's pay-per-view. I feel like... I mean, I just can't be a pay-per-view, right? Or it just can't be a pay-per-view, right? They've got to do an all-women's show. They must if they're going to hire Mickey James on. She's such an icon for all of the women. I mean, not just women, but all the women in professional wrestling. She's the epitome of talent, character, wrestling ability, promo skill, everything, which is why, obviously, I absolutely love her. You know, I definitely based the hot mess off of shades of Mickey James versus Trish Stratus. So I love Mickey. I'm so excited for this pay-per-view. That pay-per-view is, again, it's an NWA pay-per-view. It's called Empower, which I love, and it's going to be live August 28th in the Chase Ballroom, St. Louis, uh, Missouri. Anyway, uh, so there's there's a, another portion of that, and I just want to stop for a second. And address the the first line in that quote, WWE, and and you know I, I was reading it as it was in front of me, so you know I apologize, and I, I probably need to bleep it out. But anyway, that the WWE by any stretch of the imagination is shaking in their boots because the because Mickey is producing an all women's pay per view. Um, no, <laughs> I I. Uh, I, I like Chelsea Green. I think that she's an amazing talent and personality. 
Uh, I absolutely feel like the WWE lost out and misused that, but part of that is not their fault. She did get hurt, uh, like back to back, so they really couldn't get the chance to use her the way that they probably could have. Um, and yes, we do know the story. Mickey James made it very public that she went to the WWE a couple of occasions and she was turned down to uh, on the suggestion of an all-women's show of some description. But the idea that the WWE, by any stretch of the imagination, is shaking in their boots, as she put it, because that idea was taken someplace else, no, no, no. There are many wrestling promotions across the country national platforms and otherwise that do all women's events, pay-per-views, streaming events, and and whatnot regularly. WWE doesn't care. They never have before, and they do not now. The only reason that they did the one that they did is because they had Ronda Rousey available to them to help sell it. And you knew she was going to be in the main event, and that's what she got. And, and yes, the pay-per-view is fine, but and I think I talked about this on the last podcast I did. Them having that pay-per-view, how do you even tell what success? I mean, I'm sure they got the analytics off of their, their uh, you know, network because it was still available in the U.S. at the time. But it wasn't a pay-per-view proper. It wasn't like back in the day. 20 plus years ago when it was all determined on how much money they earned. At this point, it didn't matter. It was like they, they could do whatever they feel like. They, if they wanted to have an all-women's pay-per-view, which they, you know, or all-women's event, they could do that at any given time. They could have done it at the, uh, the, the NXT arena or Full Sail or whatever. You know, that they, it didn't have to be some major thing. If they just wanted content for the network or content for WWE television, they could end it they, at any point they could do that. I mean, the Mae Young Classic is a prime example of that. They did it in a location where it was probably, other than talent fees, it was going to be a minimal amount of expense for them to pull that off. So, I mean, you know, the, the idea that they somehow like, oh, damn it, we lost, uh, you know, Mickey James and she's doing it. Holy crap, she's gonna do it someplace else is, is absurd. Impact Wrestling did all an all-female pay-per-view probably five to six years before WWE even came close to coming around to that. Mickey James was on that one too, by the way. You know, which is funny. She was on the first all-female pay-per-view for Impact. She was on the first all-female pay-per-view for WWE. So, you know, that there's something to be said. But the WWE was on a mission that year. I mean, just go back and look, and look at it. The, the events speak for themselves. They were just going through this whole thing of we got our first women's Royal Rumble. We got our first women's Money in the Bank. We got our first women's Hell in the Cell. We got our first women's WrestleMania main event. We got our first women's all-female pay-per-view. They were just on a mission to do and get as much publicity off of that as they, did, as they could, and they did it. They did it, and now it's been shuffled off to the back burner. It's not important anymore. Now, yes, true, they can't go all the way back to what they did with Divas. I'm sure some of the people in the company would make that happen if they could. I, I have absolutely no doubt about that. If they could if they could relegate the women back down to a 30-second match, they absolutely would do it. 
but they can't. They can't force it back into that now because, you know, the precedent's already been set, and they're not going to. But at the same time, I don't think that they view this as important enough to push it for, hey, we got to make this uh, a big deal. We got to do another one and another one and another one. So Mickey James going to executive produce Empower is a phenomenal thing. And again, I probably more than likely will order it and then I will uh, watch and, and give my thoughts and review on it. I'm looking forward to it. But I do not believe that by by any value that WWE cares. They will move on and they will do their, their shows like normal. So anyway, the other, uh, the, the other portion of her quote is uh, addressing her being Chelsea, being in the main event. She says, I'm excited for Mickey. I'm excited to see what comes of this. I mean... Is she going to be wrestling as well? That would be epic. Or is she just going to be the producer? I mean, either way, guys, tweet NWA, tweet Mickey James, let her know, I want to be on the goddamn show, okay? I want to be the motherfucking main event of Empower because that's what I deserve. Damn it, Mickey, if you're listening to this, I want to be on that pay-per-view. I want to be the main event. I, I, I can't fault her for that. I cannot fault Chelsea for wanting the main event. I can't fault her for wanting to be on the show. In fact, I would say she deserves to be on that show. You know, she probably, like a lot of other releasees, if that's a word, are probably looking to prove themselves, probably wanting to show, like, look, they let me go, but I, that I got value here, and this is it, and here's what I can do. You know, so I, I would be... I would love to see Chelsea on the show. She she's a very talented woman. Uh you know, even with the Laura Van Ness, the hot mess that she produced on Impact Wrestling, I thought she she took that and ran with it. I don't know if I was um uh, overly enthused with the portion of it where she was just a drunk every week. I mean, it was entertaining to some degree, but uh I it just couldn't last forever for me. I was like that that can only go so long. And I, I don't think that she ever really got the, uh, uh, the the match that she was looking for in that company. Like, you know, when, when you get some of these ladies in there, they, they get a match that they can kind of hang their hat on as a professional. They get the match that they can say, if you want to see what I do and how I do it the best, look at that one. I don't know if she's had that match yet. Uh, the closest I would say is uh, Chelsea Green versus uh, Rachel Ellering. I think that that was a pretty good one, and that one took place at one of the knockout knockdowns. So the only the only thing that I could disagree with, I don't know if she deserves the main event necessarily because I don't know who else is on the show. That is going to determine a lot. That alone will determine. You know, if Chelsea should be in the main event. I mean, she she hadn't even made an appearance in a uh, a, a NWA show yet. So her being in the the main event is kind of a stretch. Not to say that it's impossible or, you know, anything like that. Because as far as I know, Empower could be a standalone event. It might not need any storyline. might not need any lead up. It might not require anything like that. They may just be doing this strictly as all women's event 
No story needed, which I doubt. But uh, time will tell. But my opinion on that is that uh, the main event, whether it has Chelsea in it, should be determined by uh, who who else is available. And in fact, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, she probably doesn't need to be in the main. Maybe semi. Because for her to be the main event would mean that she gets an instant title shot. The NWA Women's Champion should be in the main event. That's the person that deserves it. And that's Camille, at, as I am recording this right now. She, has to, she hasn't lost the title yet. But, yeah, she she's the person that deserves to be in the main event. And I don't know if I see Camille versus Chelsea Green. I mean, uh, I guess that that's a matter of whether she's the – and heal the babyface walking into the event, but no, uh, you know the the more I sit and I think about it, the more I'm like, no, that's probably not the the spot for you, uh, unless unless with now between now and August 28th, that's about two months time, and between now and then they start to get her on their programming and angling for her to get a championship match. If that is what takes place, then yes. I mean, uh, yeah, I, can, I can't say that she cannot be in the main event, but as we're talking right now, she probably does not need to be in the main event unless she is going to be positioned as such to where she should get there. I mean, there's a lot of women out there that should be on that show. You know, there's a lot of talent on the independent circuit who would do great, I think, there as part of uh, the wrestling uh, broadcast or the pay-per-view, I should say. And time will tell. When they start dropping names, you know, because I know some of those ladies, and I said this definitely last time, some of those ladies that were on the original show uh, or shows of the NWA before the pandemic hit, uh, their contracts are basically expired. So they moved on. They started doing other things. That they they thanked the NWA for their time, and then they've just kind of taken taken a step out. Now that's not to say that they won't show up. That's not to say that they won't pop back in or take an agreement and do another match, like Allison K and Marty Bell. That's not to say that they wouldn't do that. And certainly, uh, uh, uh Marlena, you know, she's come back. So it is not an impossibility. But, uh, you know, the, the talent available is going to dictate a lot. That's that's ultimately what it comes down to. But if she gets that, that, that main event, that would be great. Leave your comments about whether you think that she deserves the main event herself or not. Or who do you think deserves the main event? Somebody that will, you know, that probably will be sought after. Uh, for that event would be uh, Ruby Soho, the former Ruby Riot from WWE and the former Heidi Lovelace. Now, some people are not aware that she has decided since her release, she has decided not to go back to being Heidi Lovelace. Um, she She's already changed her, her Instagram name to Real Ruby Soho. So, uh, and I, I guess I'm pronouncing that right, unless she has some other uh, pronunciation for it. But she says she has no plans on bringing back the Heidi Lovelace name. 
uh, largely because it was not a name that she came up with on her own. That was something that was uh, assigned to her. Uh, let's see if I have that that quote. Um, well, she said she, she would like to keep the name Ruby if possible during the podcast. She said, I feel like it fits me. Ruby came from Ruby Soho, so I hold that very dear to my heart. Um, but, yeah, the, the reason that she is not re, uh, returning to Lovelace is because Lovelace was not something that she came up with on her own. Uh, it was just something that was more or less given to her by her trainers, and, you know, she just kind of stuck with it. Uh, which, oddly, well, I shouldn't say oddly enough, it happens quite frequently, honestly, on the uh, independent circuit. I, I've seen that happen a, a couple of times. Well, we have some people who um, they get into the wrestling business, they train, they come up with their own name, and then the trainer's like, no, use this. It fits, fits you better. And they use that, and they get the name over, but it's, it's nothing that they were ever in love with to begin with. So at their first convenience, they change it. Um, the example I use for that is the woad. And some of you, well, some of you listening to this should know. If you haven't, you can always go in on my uh, channel, Women's Processing Network on YouTube, or you can go onto our uh, website. But she, uh, the world went through several name changes, some of which were not because she liked the name. She just took it because that's what she was somewhat assigned. Uh, <laughs> She may not even like me bringing it up at this point because I know she's kind of buried the, those past names. But uh, in the past, her first incarnation was Aisha Sunshine. And she never really had the inclination for who that person was. And that transitioned over to being Dementia to Rose. And then she went to a seminar and somebody said, you shouldn't be demented. And, you know, you, you know you're know, a good-looking woman. You, you're the double D Rose. You know, they, they was trying to pitch something a little bit more alluring or sexy or what have you and then during her face as being double d rose she went from being the nickname the world the weapon of ass destruction to just being her name she just dropped double d rose altogether and just went with being the world so i mean and i say all of that to say is that the path of uh these things are very clear it happens a lot of times a lot of times you know so if you if you're an indie wrestler out there and you have had these things, you know, don't worry. You know, you, you can always get out of it. You can always change it. You know, sometimes change is good. Go back and listen to the Aja Pereira uh, interview. She talked about that in hers, now that I think about it. Uh, it's on the Introducing Aja Pereira episode on, on the uh, YouTube channel. She talks about the whole reason that she got the name Pereira is because the trainer said that she needed something because she looks exotic, so you'd be Aja Pereira from Brazil, or you know something along those lines. So, so it, you know, so those things happen. You know, you, you get the name, and then you get the where you're from, and all that stuff, and it and it starts building out from that. And and at some point, you begin to change. You decide to make your own decisions, and you become who you want to become. And in this case, I'm sure Ruby has decided that since she's coming off of national platform, having used the Ruby name. A transition to Ruby Soho is probably as easy as it can be at this point. As good a time as any to change the name and get something that she likes. Uh, finally, the Bella Twins 
have come up in the news over something that they had done and said some years ago, uh, that being on the Joan Rivers talk show, The Fashion Police, which aired on E! in this particular interview, aired in uh, 2013. Uh, It is the Bella Twins, and they're mocking China, who we know, Joni Laura. You know, it's always hard for me to pronounce her her name. But um, <clears throat> Joni, who had been China on WWE television and, and what have you, uh, she was the subject of what, whatever segment, ridicule, questionnaire that they, they brought up. Uh, th- this is where the Bella Twins, I guess Nikki in particular, more or less, insulted her and said that she looked like a man. Uh, okay, so let, let's let's start with this. First thing, the host of that show is not absolved from these statements. I don't know. I know that is easier to put the blame entirely on the Bella Twins because the Bella Twins are still here. And Joan Rivers is not. Joan Rivers has passed away. But Joan Rivers did what Joan Rivers would normally did at that point. She was insulting China because she was a comedian and that, you know, she decided that it would be funny to bring this up and show a picture and uh oh she you know, she looks like a man and this, that, and the other. Um so it wasn't just Nikki. You know, I I I, I wanna make sure that I clarify that because they kind of presented it as if the Bella Twins were solely responsible for this insult that they had on China, you know, while they were on the show. And, you know, like I said, it, 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 it's, it's unfair to, uh, to put that on, on them and, and them in particular. As of, and, and, you know, of course, you can't make a dead person apologize, you know. They're, they're so she's she kind of escapes that, but you know it wasn't it wasn't just them. And yes, she has put out a statement mocking uh, China's appearance since that time. And the, and you know because this happens all the time now, it's a resurfaced clip. You know how many times have we heard that? You know something came up and uh. uh <clears throat> You know, and, and then they start going back over, you know, things that you did and said 10, 15, 20 years ago, whatever the case may be. But uh, Joan Rivers made the statement in the show. Like, I totally agree. Her vagina has a penis. That was her words. That's Joan Rivers' words. So she she's not any different than what happened there. If anything, her daughter should get on, on uh, social media like, hey, look, you know, we... We probably shouldn't have said that or something like that. Joan Rivers was just as guilty as insulting her as anybody else. And more so than that, and I'm not saying this as a way to excuse the Bella Twins because she apologized, she needed to apologize, it was fair for her to apologize. But also have to take into account that the WWE created that monster. The WWE created the monster of... It's okay to insult China. They insulted China as looking like a man from day one. 
From the moment that she showed up on WWE television, there was always the innuendo, there was always the subtle jabs, there was always these sly remarks that aimed at her being masculine. Whether that was justified, agreed upon, or not, that's what the WWE did. You can go back and listen to practically any commentary that took place that Jerry Lawler was on or something like that and while China's on screen, and you'll hear it. The Slammy Awards that they, that they did, I, I forget which year it was. I'm, I'm going to say it's got to be 96 or, you know, or somewhere relative to that where Todd Pittengale does the opening song, and he's talking about when China and Hunter get silly, you know, who has the willy, you know, all of that. Those insults are not something that was centered or an exception from Nikki Bella. She came out of an environment where they did that all the time. Now, yes, they did get to a point where they started to soften China up when she went through her uh, plastic surgery. She changed her look. She got enhancements and this, that, and the other. She went through a lot to try to make to get the world to love her. And I think we can all agree with that, having seen the Dark Side of the Ring episode with her. She had esteem issues. She had self-esteem issues, and it was clear she had self-esteem issues. And having the love of your life leave you for another woman does not help those self-esteem issues. So, So in 2013, when this clip took place, she was excommunicated from WWE. She was gone. She was no longer part of the, quote, family of the WWE. She was not part of the WWE universe. In fact, the WWE didn't barely acknowledge her, her being China. So to have the Bella Twins on there was somebody that they do not talk about, that they don't address, that... Up until she died, they didn't have any intentions of her ever being in the Hall of Fame, whether that was singularly or with DX or otherwise. I'm sure in Nikki's mind, she thought it was perfectly fine. It wasn't, but I'm sure she thought it was. Her employers talked about her. Why couldn't she? Was not a good decision, wasn't a good choice, didn't age well. All of the above are true. But when you have your job that goes out of their way to ridicule people on their television, and China is not an exception to that because Vizier Man thinks everybody is fair game and everybody's personal problems are fair game, you can go down the line, Jim Ross and his colonoscopy, China looking masculine, you know, uh, the fat jokes for Mickey James who didn't even remotely look fat. It's, and by the way, Piper Niven is probably next in line for that with that stupid name Dewdrop that they just gave her. The WWE has no problems doing things to entertain that audience of one. Because he thinks it's funny. And when you have your boss or the entity that your boss that represents your boss, the WWE, 
feel like this is perfectly fine, it becomes perfectly fine because you exist in this bubble. You exist in this little wrestling bubble that the outside, you don't even know how to function in the outside world. Now, if they were thinking, because I don't think Bree, I think she just laughed at the clip or laughed at the statement. She didn't say anything. She just kind of had a little awkward laugh. But <clears throat> when things like that happen and somebody's like, hey, look at that. Doesn't she look like a man? It's probably not a good idea for you to go agreeing with that on national TV. Like, if anything, she should have maybe backed off away from the statements. Like, ah, I, I, you know, I worked with her, or I, she, she put in a lot of time and ever something. You know, have some some nice comment, just move on. But that was the nature of the show. Nikki got roped into it. She fell into doing what what Joan Rivers was doing because he was Joan Rivers, and that that was her stick. It's the fashion police. We're, we're here to talk about people and how badly they look and sometimes how good they look. But that was the whole that was the whole deal. And I'm sure Nikki regrets it. If for no other reason that she got called out on it, she regrets that. But there you have it, man. You know, the, uh, I don't want to put it all on her is ultimately what I'm getting at with this. I don't want to put that entire thing in her lap like the rest of the media did because it was not all her. It was the people on that show. It was Joan Rivers egging it on. It was coming from a culture and a company that completely embraced that and did everything they could up until a certain point, you know, that she started to physically morph to show to tell the world how masculine she is because they thought it was entertaining. And if that's the thing that they had to do, if that's what they felt like they, you know, wanted to do, and then China agreed, like, "Hey, it's no problem, whatever," then that's fine. You know, that 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 just that's part of the program. But like I said, the the wrestling bubble that they exist in, that it's it's hard for some of them to turn that off. It's hard for some of them to adjust. When they go into some other environment. Now they're probably fine these days, Nikki Bella, Nikki and Brie Bella, they're probably fine these days because they're they're so far removed from it. They're so far removed from being in the culture of WWE, you know, day in and day out. But back then, I it wouldn't it didn't shock me at all to see this this clip pop up. Did not shock me at all. Doesn't shock me in the least that they would say something. Doesn't shock me that Joan Rose would even bring it up. Because I'm sure just as much as WWE found it funny, she probably found it funny too. And she probably legitimately looked at it like, oh my God, she looks like a man. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate. It's, it's saddening, especially considering how uh, China passed away probably about three years after this clip. You know, she had a hard time. And even outside of them in a, I'll say, a worked environment, because at least when she was being called that or masculine in WWE, you could make a claim that it was a worked environment. But now, you know, she's getting it just just to be getting it. And that's sad because I'm sure if she ever saw that, it probably made her feel all the worse. It probably made her feel all the more like this is why he left. I wasn't good enough. I didn't look pretty enough. 
I didn't have, you know, and, and she went through everything to try to change that, her look. Jaw restructure, breast enhancements, toned, physically toned her body down from less muscle mass to a more lean look. She went through a lot to try to do that. But uh, we won't we won't uh, dwell on that too, you know, for forever. Needless to say, I I do believe Nikki when she when she issued her statement, and I think that uh, you know, it, it should be taken for what it is, and people probably should not give her a hard time over it because I know some fans out there will never let anything go, and they look for any little thing to just carry on and on and on about. But her uh, statement that she issued issued excuse me over twitter was this i want to sincerely apologize for a comment i made over eight years ago on fashion police i am sorry and embarrassed for my 29 year old self who offended china and in turn hurt her family and others i wish i could take it back please learn from me it's not worth hurting someone's feelings for a meaningless laugh china will Always be remembered as an icon and a pioneer who helped create the opportunities for women in wrestling that exist today. That was her uh, statement as related to the video coming back up. Uh, and like I said, I, I'm sure that some of that is because she got called out on it. But also, in in some in, in large part, I do I believe her that she regrets it. For multiple reasons, you know, and and one of which probably is being, you're right, you know, you do change over the years. You you cannot, uh, 29-year-old you is probably a little different than 37-year-old you because she is 37 now. So uh, I'm sure that that was uh, a little bit different for, for her then opposed to now. Uh, so we will leave it at that. Um, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to this podcast. Uh, you know, I uh, had to make sure that I got these things in as I saw them. Of course, sorry to hear about more releases, but those things happen, and I'm sure they will all take place and land on their. Uh, they'll be fine, I should say, and they'll land on their feet. Uh, <clears throat> if more more wrestling news is sure to drop as the weeks go on, I am looking forward to the NWA Empower event. And uh, hopefully getting a chance to sit down and talk to some of you guys about that. Uh, if, if anybody else out there is looking to watch that show, uh, drop me a line, man. Or leave a comment and uh, let me know who do you think should be there. I mean, you know, you could do a little bit of fantasy matchmaking. What, what names do you feel should be a part of the NWA's in, uh, NWA Empower pay-per-view uh, that should Mickey James be on the show? She hasn't given any indication that she's actually going to participate as a wrestler. She's she's only made it sound like she's going to do uh, the uh, executive producer stuff, and that she may not wrestle on it at all. I, uh, but I I honestly think that that's a a little bit of a mistake. If this if this is the last hurrah for Mickey James, I'll say this and I'll close it up. I think that she should participate. She didn't have to participate in the main event, but I do think she should participate in some regard. Some, in some area of that show, she should be on it uh, as a wrestler. Like I said, she's already done two 
Uh, you know, doing pulling the pulling the turkey, and like they say in bowling, that that ain't bad. You know, she she did it once for the first time for Impact Wrestling, then TNA. She did it again for the first time for WWE. So why not do it again for the first time with the NWA? That that that'll be a hat trick that no one else could probably follow. She has a legitimate claim on being the greatest women's wrestler of her generation. She she is very, 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 very close, if not right up in there. Speaking of that, I wonder if she'll ever decide to go out to the NWA Women's Championship. That could be something, too. Something to think about, folks. Something to think about. So with that, I take a small bow, and I tip my hat to you to say, that this is the end, and that this is Mr. Green saying, that this is Mr. Green saying so long, and I will see you on the next go-round. So long, folks. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.